download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Banks, St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. John 15, verse 15, Jesus says, I no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For the things I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. I just think, and I don't think really we understand the vital importance this morning, that we just really need to get hold of this revelation today that we are, we are sons of God. And often, it, it, I've been talking a lot about identity. I think it's so important because the way that you live your life, the, 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 the decisions you make, the, the kind of way you live. The Bible says, we said last week, as a man thinketh, so he is. So, so the way you act, the way you live, and all that you do in God will really come down to this one fact of whether I've really got it. I'm a son of God. That identity. That, and I'm not just talking about something that you know theologically. You know, you could... Probably many of us could quote all the verses about being children of God. We could quote them. We could some some of us probably could quote at the top of our heads. We know it. And but I'm talking about something that goes from your head. That's right in your heart. It's right at the core of your being. Right at the core of your heart. And it's so much in the depth of your heart. That's how you live. You live as a son of God. You you behave. Your conversation. Your lifestyle comes out of the of this core in the depth of your heart. I'm a child of God. And it's part of who you are. It's part of how you live your life. It's part of everything you do because you've had that revelation that I am a child of God. And one of the things actually that the devil really does attack is sonship. It's interesting that after Jesus was baptized, how did the enemy attack him? Have thought about that? Because at his baptism, he's told this. This is my beloved son, who I'm well pleased with. So if you like, the father was speaking words of affirmation into the heart of Jesus. And immediately, we're told, the spirit took him into the wilderness. And while he's in the wilderness, the enemy tempts him over this very fact of identity. If you are the son of God, and various temptations came. But it's really all about making in question his identity. And that's how the enemy attacks us. To make us question our identity. Am I really a child of God? Is that really who I am? That is really my identity. And so the enemy actually attacks that very area of our being. Because he knows when you really know who you are, so many things about your life change. And I think so many people struggle with this whole concept. And they've never seen the root of their problem is the fact they've never really grasped the fact that children of God. They know in their heads, they know various Bible verses, but it's not at the core of their heart. It's not at the core of their being. I'm a child of God. And you think about it, when you know you're a child of God, there are certain things that result from that. For example, 
That's who I am. And so when I know who I am, I act like that's who I am. In other words, if I'm a child of God, that means I've got a brand new nature. Isn't that good to know? The old is gone. The new has come. I am a new creation. And as a new creation, I live that life out as a son of God because that's who I am. So, for example, fear, as we mentioned earlier, is not part of my new nature. Is that right? That's part of my old nature. Sin, really, you know what? Sin, we we sin because we give way to our old nature. Your new nature doesn't sin. Is that right? Because your new nature is a nature of righteousness. That's your new nature. Your new nature is righteous. And because you're righteous, you do righteous things because that's your nature. My new nature is a, is, is, a, is a nature of liberty. And I live in liberty and freedom because that's what my new nature is. That's how I live as a son of God. And what the enemy is always seeking to do is drive you back to your old nature. What was your baptism all about? I thought your baptism is when your old nature died. Is that right? I've died with Christ so I can live in newness of life, the resurrected life. You know, I love to think about... I'm seeing more and more. You know, you know what really becomes my model for living in life now? Jesus. He's my model. And, I, and I'm more and more spending so much more time in the Gospels and saying that's how I'm to live my life because Jesus showed us how to live as a son. And so he's my model. He's the one that I say, that's how I'm meant to live life. That's how I'm meant to live my life in my job. That's how I'm meant to live my life in my family. That's how I'm meant to live my life in various circumstances, situations. I live my life as a son of God because that's who I am. Now, I know sometimes, ladies, this concept of being a son is kind of hard. Now, think of us men because we struggle in the fact that we're called a bride. That's, you know, so you get both vice versa there. But we're all sons simply because... That means that we live out of, because that, if you like, is our inheritance. The, it's the first son who always gets the inheritance. And that's why even ladies, daughters, your daughters of God, but also, in a sense, spiritually speaking, your, your sons of God. Isn't that wonderful? I want to turn me to a verse, book of Exodus. I want to see, you know, you know, you think about it, your, your new nature really ref, is actually reflected in the fruits of the Spirit. That's your new nature. Your new nature is a nature of love, a nature of peace, a nature of faith, a nature of long-suffering, a nature of gentleness, a nature of kindness. And Paul speaks about the, the flesh, the old nature, which is full of fear, which is full of anxiety, you know, Chris was mentioning joy. I think joy is a vital commodity. In fact, Jesus says your joy is full because you know you're a son of God. Often when we question our identity, the one thing we struggle with is joy. God has not called any of us to live a life of misery, but a life of joy. Is that right? And joy comes out of identity. But if I don't get my identity, then I struggle with joy because I don't really know him. When I know I'm a son of God, the end result will be fullness. Of joy, because that's who I am. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have any problems. That doesn't mean you won't have any circumstances. But in the midst of it, there's joy and peace. Because that's my new identity, and that's who I am. 
You say amen. Look at Exodus here, book of Exodus. So let me just, so let's go back to John 15 just before I get to Exodus. just want to bring a word out that I want you to just get a hold of this. Uh, verse 15 again. I want you to see the word there. So I, th- I think in English it doesn't probably come out as strong as it should do in the Greek. In the Greek it's the word doulos, which actually means slave. So what Jesus says, says I'm no longer going to call you slaves. He says, from now on, and he's talking to his disciples, and it's true of us this morning, he was saying, your relationship has changed. You're no longer slaves. You, you are actually children, sons. What did he mean by that? Because Jesus right here, he's lifting their status. It often says, when Jesus came, he came to reveal the most vital name of God that really has ever been revealed. There are many names for God in the scriptures. Many, many names. But Jesus came to reveal the ultimate name. You know what it is? Father. He came to reveal to them that this God is your Father. The disciples, if you like, lived under bondage because they were under the bondage of the law. And Jesus says, now your relationship is changed because no longer are you, if you like, you. in the Old Testament, if they obeyed, they were blessed. If they disobeyed, they were cursed. And so they obeyed out of, if you like, out of bondage, out of fear, under law. And Jesus says, now your whole relationship is now changing. You are no longer obeying out of law, but now you obey out of relationship. You obey because it's out of love for Father. It's out of relationship with Father that you now live out relationship. So now I'm elevating your position. You are now in this sense of relationship. I'm going to put, if you like, a new DNA inside you. You now become a brand new nature. You become a child of God. You are now my friends. We now have intimate, close relationship. We now have a a father-son relationship. And with all that in mind, let's go to Exodus. Because I want you to see something a little bit about the children of Israel. And we see the kind of beginnings of this in Exodus chapter 1. I haven't got time to go to in great, great detail. But in Exodus chapter 1, verse 13. We see there kind of the description of what was happening. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, in all manner of service in the field. All this service in which they made them serve with rigor. Now we want to see what happened. For 400 years they, they, they operated on this bondage and they were under the, the, the slavery of the Egyptians, if you like. Here's the problem. That even when they came out of Egypt... The issue was that even though they came out of Egypt, Egypt was still in them. Is that right? They still thought like they were in Egypt. They lived really with a victim mentality. And even though they'd come into freedom, they still lived like they were in Egypt. They still had the same attitudes. They still had the same responses to the problems and the challenges of life. They, they still had the conversation of Egypt. They still did all that they did in Egypt, even though they'd been set free. 
I think even as Christians, even though we declare we've come into liberty, we've come into freedom, yet we can still live like a life that we still like we used to live, our old nature. We still we still say the same, we still live the same, we still do the same. And we don't really have a change of life, of lifestyle, of, of conversation, of attitudes, because we've never grasped the truth. And often many can be controlled by, 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 by a victim mentality. They often see themselves still as victims. Often when people go through kind of rejection in life or, or things go wrong in life, maybe in childhood or bad relationship with parents and all these sort of things. It kind of leaves people growing up with a sense of being victims, victim mentality. And a victim mentality says something like this. My circumstances cannot, I'm powerless to change my circumstances. I am not responsible for something. It's always somebody else's fault, always them to blame. Nothing ever goes right for me. Everything always goes wrong for me. And so we grow and live our lives with a kind of Victim kind of thinking, a victim mentality, because we've never really grasped the fact that now we are children, children of God. Do you know what a victim mentality really is rooted in? It's it's rooted really in an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit has kind of, I think an orphan spirit has, has captured our world. Because many children grow up never really having and their life being molded by a father. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. But I'm going to give you and I'm going to bring you into a place of where you begin to know father. And I think many Christians actually really still live under the sense of as being orphans. Let me challenge you about this. When you face a challenge or a circumstance, do you feel alone in it? Do you feel just always alone when you face things in life? Do you feel that, 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 you, that you can't face the things? Or do you, or do you always feel, put it this way, you always feel that you, you've got to do it yourself. Do you live a life that, that is so dependent on you being self-sufficient? On being depending on yourself? And depending on your ability, your strength, and you've got to sort it all out yourself. I think often we can have an orphan thinking because if we're not in a place of sonship, if we don't really know our identity as sons, then the opposite will be we will live as orphans. We will live with an orphan spirit rather than living with a with, with a sense that we are sons of God. Now, here's the point. You can't cast out an orphan spirit because it's a way of thinking. It's a mentality. The only way that is broken is when we begin to change the way that we think. That's why the Bible has a lot of emphasis on changing your mentality, changing the way you think, changing the way you see yourself, changing your, your recognition, having a revelation of who I am. And when I begin to change the way I think, when I get a revelation, I'm a son of God, then that breaks that mentality and that way of thinking. Look at Romans 8 verse 14. Because this is what the Holy Spirit comes to do. The Holy Spirit comes to work in us to reveal our identity and to reveal the Father's heart. 
Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Actually, in the Greek, the word sons there is mature sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba. How many love that? Abba. Father. So the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and my heart a revelation of who we are. To bring our lives to a continual relation that we say, and the word Abba is the the most intimate word you can use for God. Daddy. Abba. And that's what the Spirit works in you. So, the more I learn to be led of the Spirit, the more I learn to cultivate a life with the Holy Spirit, He's going to lead me and direct me to a life of sonship. Because that's one of the purposes He's coming to do. That's the revelation that He's longing to bring to your life. To bring you into a place of recognition. I am a son of God. And the more I'm filled with the Spirit, the more real the Spirit becomes to me, the more I see and recognize who my Father is. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I love this term, Spirit of Adoption. I think there's sometimes the moments in our lives, I mean, for the first time, we feel and sense and aware that we're loved by Father. I can remember when it happened to me. I can, I can tell you the moment. I can tell you the time. I knew so many. I, I, I remember I read the book. I, 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 I was at Bible College and I read a, the, a theological book on God and all, all the various characteristics of God. And I knew all the kind of theology. I think it was Lewis Burkhoff's Systematic Theology. Which is, which is a kind of fairly deep book. And I remember knowing that, reading all that book. And I remember I think I'm reading, G, I remember G.I. Packer, Knowing God. I love that book. And I remember reading that book, and that was amazing. But it was there, but something had really not happened there. And I remember that moment when I felt consumed. The love of God was just poured into my heart. It's almost like liquid gold just falling over me. And I remember just crying out, Abba, Daddy. I'm your child. And it just came from the depth of my heart. And I remember that was the moment the spirit of adoption was birthed in my heart. Not that I never had any struggles or problems from then on. But I knew, I knew that 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 I was a child of God. Can you say amen? And I live with a spirit of adoption just flowing. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He comes to impart when you get hold of you, you know, when you realize that, you say, you know, when you mess up or do something wrong, you know what the Holy Spirit comes to you? He says, look, you're a son. You don't have to act that way. You don't have to be bound by fear because you're a son. You don't have to live in that kind of life. You don't have to say that. You don't have to do that stuff because you're a son. And, he, and I think that's where he begins. So you don't have to live that way because you are a child of God. Turn to Luke 15. Let's sort of land this a little bit. Luke 15 because. Here's the story of somebody who never grasped their sonship, who never understood 
They were a child and a son. They never grasped sonship. They lived with an orphan spirit. And you find it there. It's the story of the elder brother. I'm not going to go into the other one. I'm going to talk about the elder brother. We often don't think about the elder brother. But I want to think about the elder brother in the field. And it's Luke 15. And we look at verse 8. And you can, just as I read this, you can see this orphan spirit kind of coming out. This, this somebody not knowing who they were. Luke 15 and just verse 25. Now his oldest son was in the field. And, he, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called out to the servants and asked them what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatty calf for him, and said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was your right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. He's lost and now he's found. You'll see three parables there. And they all come really from this sense that, that messed up, broken, hurting people, the outcasts of society were all coming to Jesus. And the Pharisees were, were criticizing and judging Jesus not only kind of even mixing with them, but eating with them, fellowshipping with them. And so he, he came under this criticism. And in response to that, these various parables kind of come out of that. And really to me, it shows to me, in a kind of way, that how many know God loves a party? <laughs> he loves big parties. And he loves to celebrate people coming home. The elder brother really has not got any spirit of celebration. And I find that often. That when there's an orphan spirit, when there's, a, when there's an ability to grasp some ship, one of the results of that is you find it hard to really celebrate. You find it hard to live a celebratory life. And, and, and you struggle with, 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 when it, with, to express your joy and to celebrate. And almost the result of that is there's a vacuum there that means that you live a life of, 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 of being judgmental. And the son actually, think about it, this elder brother actually never fully came into his inheritance. Even though the other son had squandered it, he never actually came into, the, came into enjoy it or, or receive it into his life. In other words, sonship means that you begin to live out your inheritance. When you don't know your sonship, you never fully receive the inheritance that you have in Christ. The amazing blessings, the amazing provision is made for you is limited and restricted with a lack of knowing your sonship. And so even though he had the ability to receive the inheritance, he never came into it because he had an orphan spirit. Never really received the fullness of what God had for him. Look at some of these other things. Here's the, here's the first thing. The Bible says the eldest son was in the field. And he's saying, you never touched me like you touched somebody else. You never pour your glory out like you poured it on others. 
He had no revelation of sonship, no revelation of the Father's love. He just served in the house. He had an orphan spirit, and because of that, he had an orphan mentality. And as soon as he heard about the son's return and celebration, his heart began to close. The Bible says actually he withdrew because of a closed heart. He could never really get close to Father because his heart was so closed, so full of an orphan thinking, an orphan lifestyle. He could never get close to Father, never enjoy him, never get close to him. He struggled in that area. And it's interesting that that because of that, all he did was moan. All he did was complain. All he did was, was, was have this, this kind of attitude to life. This kind of... You know what it led to when you think about it? It led to self-pity. Poor old me. Ever been there? Poor old me. It's always me. Poor old me. It kind of led to an attitude of life of self-pity. And the Bible says because of that, he isolated himself. He couldn't go and celebrate. He couldn't kind of have relationships. He isolated himself in his own field. He became emotionally withdrawn. He couldn't connect. He couldn't have meaningful, close relationships because of the orphan spirit that he had. And so he began to isolate himself. An orphan spirit will always cause us to to withdraw, to isolate ourselves. And because of a lack of the Father's heart and the void there, we isolate ourselves because of the pain that we don't deal with, that we don't process but we don't let the Father heart deal with. So, so many live with all kinds of pains, all kinds of hurts, all kinds of rejection. Because out of their isolation, they're able to confront and deal with that stuff inside them. And so he struggled with rejection and resentment and loneliness, and he withdrew himself. He withdrew himself even from the Father because at the core of his heart, he never saw he was a son. Here's something else interesting. He couldn't rejoice with others. He couldn't say, that is awesome. That's amazing that you blessed my brother like that. That That's absolutely fantastic. It's interesting with an orphan spirit, it's very hard to rejoice when others are blessed. Because you think, if it's an orphan, you think there's not enough to go around. So if they're being blessed, then what am I going to get? And often, we find it, Often with orphan spirit, people find it hard to be happy when others are blessed. Oh, you've got a brand new car? Why haven't I got one? You've got a wonderful house? Why haven't I got one? Oh, you're so blessed? Why can't I be blessed? And so we we, we struggle when others are blessed. We, We struggle to celebrate others' celebration. We struggle to rejoice when others rejoice. Because an orphan spirit... We struggle to, to, to celebrate others' promotion. Because our thinking is, I deserve that. I should have got that. Why should they get that? I pray more than they pray. I read the Bible more than they read the Bible. I do this, I do that. Why, why, why can't I be blessed? Why are they blessed? Because we struggle to see 
For I'm loved by Father exactly as they're loved by Father. I have the same opportunities they have. I have the same way to be blessed as they've got. Because the Father loves me. And he says this, I served you. Sometimes people, when they serve God for the praise of men, sometimes people serve God to find identity. And as long as service is not motivated by God's love, it often produces hidden resentment and anger. And then people obey God out of fear of failure and rejection, not out of relationship. And so all these things kind of build up within him. He's distant from the Father's love. He's, and it then means he gravitates to legalism and he gravitates to, if you like, insecurity. When you don't know you're a son, and I've found this many times, that often people then tend to go into legalism. I think legalism is one of the most damaging things around. I think Relationships are destroyed, churches are destroyed, all kinds of things are destroyed when legalism gets a hold of people. And the result of it really, an orphan spirit always creates a legalistic heart and an older brother attitude. And that means you feel insecure. You're not secure in you are who in you are because because you're not secure in God, that means you're not secure in anything else. And insecurity flows from the heart of an orphan spirit. And so he begins to blame the the brother. It's his fault. You think about it. He could have asked for a party at any time. And I think whenever we feel, here's the point. When you don't feel you're valued, then you expect everybody else to be like that to you. In other words, If you had to work to get Father's approval, you expect everybody else to work to get your approval. Because what you project on the Father, you will project on other people. So you begin to kind of have that attitude to others. Because you don't feel valued by God, then others have to do what they do to feel valued by us. And so it led to this self-righteous attitude of superiority and, and, and this sense that Everybody else is wrong but me. And so this sense of being judgmental and being critical kind of gets hold of him. Fault finding, if you like. I love this story. I never forgot it because he always stuck me. It made me laugh when I heard it because it was so funny. There's a guy who said, said, every time he met this guy, this guy would always criticize people, would always judge people, would always pull people down. And every time he met him afterwards, he used to feel, oh, I feel so depressed after that time. And this guy would do it day in. Every time he met him, he'd do it. So he'd kind of avoid But he, every day he'd do it. Every time he met him, he would do it. So he had this revelation how to deal with it. So, so he meets this guy, and this guy comes again. And he starts, you know, judging everybody, criticizing everybody, everything else. And he starts doing this. And he keeps doing this all the time. The guy says, why are you doing that? He says, I'm avoiding the plank that's coming from you. And what Jesus says, he says that when you do that, you've got a plank in your own eye. You, you, you see a plank in others' eyes, respect in your eye. Some of you didn't get that. But you, you, and there's almost that sense today that often that comes from an orphan spirit. It's a spirit that doesn't come from the presence and the things of God. And because of that, he became 
cold of heart. He didn't respond to the Father. The Father said to him, everything I have is yours. You could have everything you wanted. You could have asked for a party any time. You could have been blessed any time. You could have received all that I had. It's yours. But because of your orphan and victim mentality, you never understood how generous I was. You never understood how good I was. And an orphan spirit can never understand how generous God really is. How good he is. How kind he is. How much he wants to bless us. How much joy he wants us to have. How much celebration. How much love he wants us to embrace in our hearts. Remember the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in your heart the love of God. And it all comes from recognizing, Father, I don't have to perform to earn your love. Not that we shouldn't do things for God, but the point is, you could work 24-7, seven days a week, but God will still love you the same. Isn't that right? I found this. The more I know the Father's heart, the more I want to serve him. The more I want to minister to him. Because I serve him, not to earn his approval, but because I'm already approved of. Because of Jesus' blood. And I think actually that motivation will cause you to be a greater servant. To work more and more for him, because you're not doing it to earn his approval. You're doing it because of your relationship with Father. And because you've experienced his love. That motivates you. Paul said it's the love of God that motivates me, that stirs me, that drives me to do what I do. Let me close with this. So much more I could say. See, because of that, he couldn't respond to God's grace. And I think the greatest way to live your life is living under the power of grace. The grace empowers you to be what you could not be. Let me very quickly give you a few ways that you can come out of an elder brother syndrome. Here's the first thing. Recognize the symptoms. If you see some of those symptoms, look at the core of your heart. Look at the things you say. Look at the things you respond to. Because it's interesting. He responded when the problems came. Sometimes these things lie in the depth of our hearts. It's only when a, a problem comes. It's only when something hits our life. The way we respond to it shows us really what's at the core of our hearts. And sometimes often thinking, often attitudes come. Not when things are going well. It's when the problems come. It's when things begin to fall apart. That's when what's at the core of your heart begins to reveal itself. Look at the way you speak. Think of the things you say. What comes out your mouth when the pressure's on? What, what is your conversation like? And when you recognize that there's conversation and, and things coming out of you that you know really are not in line with being a son, then you say, that is a symptom of an orphan spirit. And I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to deal with it. And I'm going to repent of it. I'm going to repent of those things that actually don't come out of a realization of sonship. Where, I, where I'm trying to work for acceptance. Where I'm trying to earn approval. No more. I'm a child of God. And you begin to say, Father... Show me your sonship. Show me that I'm your child. Holy Spirit, reveal to my heart that I'm your child. 
and begin to open your heart and let the Father begin to pour into you his affection. Let him speak over you incredible words of who you are in God. I love one of the scriptures that says that he will, re- he says he will rejoice over me. In the Hebrew, it means he'll spin round and dance over you. Isn't that awesome? I love that thought. Because that's the kind of father we, we have. It's not, oh, it's not like, oh, it's you again, is it? Oh, you know, he's come back. You know, it's just, wow, you're amazing. You're awesome. It's so great to, for us to be together again. That's amazing. He just has that kind of attitude, that kind of spirit. And I tell you this, relinquish those things that are not in line with sonship. Anything that, is, anything that doesn't fall in line with your identity of who you are, you relinquish. That is not part of who I am. I am not a complainer. I am not a moaner. I'm not living in fear anymore. I'm not living in jealousy anymore. I'm not living with an envious spirit anymore. I'm relinquishing all that stuff because that's not who I am. Because I'm a son of God. I'm a child of the living God. And I'm loved by Father. And he's got an inheritance for me. He's got a great plan for me. He's got a great purpose for me. Because that's who I am. I'm a child of God. Let's bow our heads right now. Let's come before him. I know time has come right now. But would you just stand with me for a few moments? I sometimes do this, but I kind of feel it really great if we could do this again. I just want you just, if you want to do this today, I just want you just to put your hand on your heart. And say, Holy Spirit, just reveal to my heart who I am today. I relinquish those things that really are not part of who I am. I relinquish those things that, that actually are a false identity. I relinquish those things that actually are a false description. It's almost a, it's against the trade description act. I'm not that. I'm a child of God. And say, Holy Spirit, come and reveal that to my heart. I need it so much. I, I never intellectually grasp it. I can never reason it out. But Holy Spirit, I give you permission at the very core of my heart to reveal who I am. To reveal my true identity. And I, and I, I want to live as a son in my life, in my everyday life, in my conversation, in my attitudes of life. I want to live that out. Father, I pray, come Holy Spirit. Just reveal to our hearts our identity today. And we pull down those false concepts, those false ideas, those false mindsets. We pull those down. And Lord, we release the spirit of adoption into every heart today. That we would cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. That we're your children. We thank you today. We've not earned it. We've not deserved it. But thank you because of Jesus today. That you've not left us as orphans. But you've released a spirit of fatherhood. You've released a spirit of adoption today in our hearts. You've shed abroad in our hearts the love of God. That we are loved and cherished by a Father in heaven. And so today, Lord, we break every lie, every deception of the enemy. And we release, Lord, your spirit of love into hearts right now. Lord Jesus, Lord, help us to be able to stand in the midst of every situation and say, I am a child of God. Not just sing it, but really believe it in the depth of our hearts. That's who we are. Children of God. No longer are we, to, are we orphans, but we're children of God. So we give you the praise, we give you the honor for this wonderful relationship we have this morning in you. Bless every heart, bless every life we pray right now.
In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 